Mostly Harmless is brought to you by Soundcheck at Illegal Pete's. Burritos, buddies, and beer. These are the key ingredients to the perfect pre-show ritual. Take advantage of Soundcheck at Illegal Pete's by bringing in your same-day concert ticket. Purchase an adult entree, and we will give you a free draft beer or fountain drink at any of our six locations. Please visit IllegalPete's.com for more information. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. All right, buddies. All right, boys and girls. This week, we bring you a very special episode because this week, we sit down with Mr. Sean Mackin, the violinist of Yellow Card. Now, uh, a few of you are probably wondering, you know, am I... Okay, so let's let's just be honest. Yellow Card is not my favorite band in the world. Uh, they're a good band. I enjoy what they do. I don't love them, but I like them. Good dudes. Good, solid band. And they've... Uh, they brought so many people into this world that I call home. And uh, you know what? I like stories and I like people. And we sit down with Sean today and we store, we story, we share great stories. Uh, we talk about his love of the Denver Broncos. This episode might have been better to have aired last week before uh, last night's disastrous Super Bowl game. Uh, I didn't watch it because I'm not a sports guy either. And so there you go. Uh, we also talked to Sean about battling cancer. We talked to him about... Uh, about the destiny, his destiny of playing violin, and then if he does indeed believe in destiny or not. It's a pretty good episode, and we have some pretty good stories, and I bet you even the most diehard uh, DIY punk rock guy in the world could get some things out of this, and that's why I'm interviewing a band, uh, the, a member of a band that you know I might not be in love with, but I tell you what, I'll be good goddamned if uh, every time I didn't hear Ocean Avenue, or even think of Ocean Avenue, if that song wasn't stuck in my head for the next, you know, few days it's stuck in my head right now it's it's really really hard to not just start singing along with it right now so uh so yeah it was a pleasure to sit down and talk to sean i brought my good friend dia up and she was uh she's a violinist herself i'm kind of a violinist hey we talk about all that in the episode so i don't know why i'm bringing it up now but uh it's her birthday and uh she had a great birthday excellent birthday present so uh i'm just gonna shut up i've had way too much coffee as usual, uh, I'd like to thank Illegal Pete's for sponsoring this episode once again. Thank you to Virgil and those guys for uh, taking care of us, taking care of the little show that could. Uh, next week, we're going to have Evan from Into It Over It, and then followed by the next week, we're going to have Mike Carrera of MXPX. And then, uh, yeah, we've got a pretty good, solid schedule lined up. Please come back and check us out, mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, give us a little love on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, shoot us, a, you know, a little review. I like it all. If you listen on Stitcher, leave us a little review on there, please. Uh, we're doing really great. The show is really picking up since I moved to Denver, and I couldn't be happier. So without any further ado, I'm going to stop rambling. And let's kick this interview off with a track from the uh, newest Yellow Card album, their acoustic rendition of their 2003 album, Ocean Avenue. The song is my friend Dia's favorite song off this record, so uh, in honor of her birthday and this whole event and you know her being one of the main reasons why we did this, uh, we're going to play her favorite song, which is Breathe, off the Ocean Avenue acoustic album. Check it out. Stay tuned for the interview, and uh, we'll check back in in a few minutes, guys. 
All right, so uh, once again, I'm back downstairs at the Aggie Theater in Fort Collins. I'm hanging out with Sean from uh, Yellow Card. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great. Really, yeah. really happy to be here in Colorado. Yeah. I was uh, trolling your uh, Instagram and Twitter feed. You had quite a day yesterday hanging out in Denver. I did. Um, yeah, Denver is uh, my birthplace, and been a big Broncos fan for majority of my life. And yesterday had the opportunity to do a behind-the-scenes, not an official tour, but a behind-the-scenes tour of the Broncos Stadium from uh, Stuart, the guy who does their uh, internet marketing and Twitter. Nice. And uh, it was just, it was so surreal, you know, like we break into the field, you know, when we play Warp Tour, but you never get to see all the cool stuff. So yeah. we're in the locker room and uh, they kind of had an event for some big business, rented out the field because they're going to tear up the turf before next season. And they were out there kicking field goals and had footballs. And we like, I mean, just threw the football on the field for like 45 minutes and I just felt like a kid. I could not contain my smile. Like my heart was ready to burst. So it was pretty awesome. Great, great day. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that one. Hell yeah! So you grew up in Denver. How, mm-hmm. Did you grow up here? Do you live your whole life throughout high school and everything? Or no, no, no. I, so it was just until I was about twelve. I think okay. we, we moved to New Jersey, the East Coast. So I went to Jersey and Florida for uh, middle school and high school years. But you know, my family's here. My mom, uh, my mom's side of the family. So. My grandma lives in Aurora, my aunt's up in Golden, and uh, my uncle and a couple of my cousins live right downtown off Spear. So, nice. you know, we're just, I'm always here, and, you know, growing up, I think we moved up north a little bit, Boulder and, and Parker area, yeah. and so I, I have memories and, uh, you know, have a lot of family here, yeah. but when I was growing up, my I used to watch football at my grandparents' house, and my grandfather, you know, yelling at the TV, and <laughs> drinking Captain and Coke, you know, and yeah. Uh, we drafted this guy named John Elway, right? When I started to learn about football, it was a pretty cool time for me. And uh, he's helping us win, you know, yet again. So yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty awesome time to be a Broncos fan. Yeah, pretty exciting. So was it a nice homecoming come back to Colorado every time? Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's I bet, funny. I bet your guest list is pretty long when you guys show up in Colorado, huh? Sometimes. I mean, uh, when we haven't played in a long time, we get everybody out. Yeah. And then... You know, we played Denver uh, back in September, October. Uh, I just remember because there was the Eagles game that day. And I went to the game, and it was just, I mean, so, uh, but now they're like, oh, it's Fort Collins. We just saw you guys a couple months ago. You're old news, you know, family. But, um, but yeah, just, I mean, growing up in Yellow Card, my mom was kind of disappointed I dropped out of college. So I didn't see my mom a little bit for, like, a couple years. But my aunt, Jessie, my Uncle Larry, they who live in Denver, they kind of, would shelter the van when we we're here and nice. food and laundry and all you know when you're van touring or rv touring it's yeah. nice to kind of decompress so they're amazing you know side parental figures right. for us nice um that's good to know so one, one of the things i like to talk about on the show is like earliest musical obsessions and memories for you do you you started playing a violin at what six years old yeah i was i was five five wow yeah. that's really early um do you have any musical memories, like obsessions before that? Do you ever remember, like, your first memory of, like, witnessing music or being grabbed by it and, like, just shook into to the core by music? Or did that start by, through playing it? No, I mean, for me, it was, I was in a pretty disciplined household. Okay. You know, uh, it was violin lessons and, you know, golf and tennis and basketball with my brother and our friends, you know, whatever. But definitely the focus was academics and, and what my mom called uh, you know, business sports. And, um, so I, I mean, just classical music all through, you know, growing up before high school, we, you know, I was in three orchestras at a time and wow, 
just as I was kind of getting into middle school and my, you know, my parents, uh, we were in the car, we just listened to oldies. So I was kind of really sheltered. And then there's a guy that lived down the street and he was like, oh, hey, you know, you play violin, you might appreciate some of this and handed me a Metallica CD. <laughs> and I was like, because oh, that. that's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, I mean, they have great training, but yeah. there's, you know, there's a lot of similar elements in, in all types of music. But so I made the, re- the relation and uh, Ride the Lightning was the first CD that I ever bought. So I was, that's, I mean, that's my earliest memory. And then when I was a freshman in high school, a guy that lived down the street, I, you know, would ride to school with him, sit in the back seat. And it was Soundgarden and Porno for Pyros. And so all the, all the, the grunge and the rock stuff, you know, was kind of ingrained in my mind. But you know, when I was a sophomore, I befriended some guitar players and we all just would listen to punk rock music. Like the last sort of movement of that 90s, you know, Fat Records epitaph yeah. and just Fat Mike and No Effects and No Use for Name. And, and it was really Matt Riddle and his influence on Face to Face that just kind of grabbed me. It was like, you know, the the chord structure and, and sort of the the just a, a great melody over sort of simple relative kind of chord progression. And I just made a switch and just started writing songs. Nice. And so th- those are my early really early influences but you know the that sort of that n- new movement of punk rock kind of stuck with me for a long time and, and still yeah. to this day nice so when you're you're five years old did you want to play violin or was it something thrust upon you no it was uh i never was i didn't fight authority until i guess a little bit later in high school my mom was like I, you guys are gonna play music i grew up playing music and she played piano and at grandma's house she would always play free lease and like you know whatever and taught us both my brother and myself chopsticks and my brother was like I want to play piano like you mom and I was like okay I guess I'm playing the violin and so it was just kind of like I never really didn't like it until I got to middle school and we moved to Florida and the kids were like oh you play violin that's stupid I was like is it I didn't know that what should I do I should play football huh (laughs) I'm too small to play football so I kept playing violin and kept getting in fights until I went to art art school uh, for high school and I was just fell in love with music and writing songs and this and that and listening to music with my friends and drinking beer. And so that, that was really the, the, the highlight of, of my youth was the high school and, and really being able to fall in love with music without it being kind of, you know, bullied for it. Uh, I played violin growing up, too. I was never very good. I was, I was always like last chair, second or third violin. Uh, Dia here played violin as well. So we got, we got a room full of nice. violin players I love here. it. Um, I stuck with it. I was never very good, but the teacher, I had the same teacher from uh, sixth grade to twelfth grade, and he liked me, so he kept me in the class. Um, but when, it, when I got into punk rock and ska, I was like, fuck, I wish I had joined band so I could play, play a ska band. Yeah. Did you ever want to switch to any other instruments? No. I mean, my dad played, or my stepdad played trumpet, so uh, I learned a couple scales on the trumpet and was like, man, this sucks. It's, it's hard. Like, all the all the different like muscles and I was just so far behind and violin got to the point where it's like I picked up guitar and I picked up other things but I was just had been playing violin for so long it was a little bit more easy to me I'm not and never will be the best at any violin music type of thing but it is it's such a like a natural part of me where sometimes I've said I wish I knew what I know on the violin on guitar I think you know, in a, in a modern sort of contemporary music setting, it would be it would be a little bit easier for me to kind of fit in, I guess. But yeah. it's helped Yellow Card by not fitting in and right. having something different. And you know, I still like play guitar and piano for uh, composition, but 
Nice. So yeah, that's awesome. Meet a fellow, fellow couple of four stringers. Yeah, and, it, and it's crazy to think like this wasn't necessarily something you sought out to do, like play violin. But here it is. It's taking you around the world. Yeah, that's got to be. Do you feel like it's destiny, maybe, to have learned how to play violin? It's funny because I thought my mom was crazy, and she's like, you know, I, mom, I don't want to play golf. I don't want to play violin. No one does this. This is stupid. <laughs> like I get in fights at school. Like you know, whatever. And she's like, you don't have to like it. But if you like living in the house, you're gonna do it, and uh, it's a gift. And one day you're gonna thank me for it. And uh, in t- 2004, my mom saw us on, you know, Jay Leno show, and was like, she was like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. Like you're, you did something with it. And I was like, mom, you were right. Totally, it was a gift. And you know, I'm, you know, 10 years later, we're celebrating, you know, our biggest record. And you're right, it does take us. I mean, I've played shows on six continents in the world. And, I never imagined that, and so it's totally a gift, and I'm grateful for every moment. So what, and I'm sure you've talked about this over the course of the years a thousand times, but in the spirit of what we're getting at, how did you decide that a violin could fit in with a punk rock band? Because, so, like, I remember seeing you guys open up, because when I first moved to Colorado, like, 12 years ago, you guys played every fucking bop punk show. And I was like, look at this little guy jumping around playing a violin, could be me. (laughs) <laughs> so so I, I was a little irritated that I hadn't stuck with it. But, it. but it was such an interesting choice. How did you guys decide upon that idea? I think it was just more the circle of friends. Like, I've always been relatively athletic, so moving around on stage while playing the violin, as difficult as it is sometimes, I would yeah. choose my moments and, and kind of just go crazy. But um, I think just the idea of having a violin in, you know, a, a rock or pop or pop punk set, whatever you want to call me, never really was my idea I think it was just the circle of friends we liked the similar music and uh, and I started writing songs and they were just like yeah this is awesome (laughs) and you know you listen to any recording you know modern recording whether it's synth strings or real strings like 99% of artists have that since you know the beginning of music so it just adds a different element because I can sort of in the in the proverbial sense shred a little bit with the guitar and Mendez and I have a great relationship and we harmonize and do some cool stuff as if you know like some of the heavier bands like have two lead guitar players so it, it's fun to be able to have like an emotional side and be able to be a little bit more ballady with you know the violin and the strings and then there's a fun kind of ripping side where I'm harmonizing yeah. with a guitar you know melody or, or solo and so you, you we have to try and have fun with it and you know Ryan I actually for me I'm not a very good singer but I like singing I like the opportunity to have a microphone and, and yell at people in the crowd and you know my singer just again as as a testament to the circle of friends in yellow card you know when Ryan joined our band in 99 was like hey you have good pitch because you play a fretless instrument you should sing with me and I'm like I've never done that before so I mean he taught me how to sing and you know just really you know Cinderella story went to high school together yeah. and it's just you know it's just great that still I mean I've known these guys shit almost 20 years now and uh, you know we're still fighting you know just like a just like a team or a family so it's it's pretty crazy yeah uh, so you guys have been doing this for a while now and like I said 10 years ago you guys opened every show I went to it seemed like um, I know it's you guys have been around a long time but when you look back to those early days of Yellow Card you know opening for Lagwagon or one of the other shows I can't remember off the top of my head No Use No Use yeah I saw you on that one um, what kind of things did you learn about yourselves that you still practice to this day you know 
some 10, 15 years later. Can you think of anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think work ethic for Yellow Card was, I mean, we got to a point where we blew our singer's voice out. We worked so hard. And um, that's something that we still do today. We're like, if we don't work hard, someone's going to come in and, and there's no... I mean, they have the Grammy Awards and this and that award and the People's Choice and the No One Gives a Fuck Awards and things like And those are really cool. And uh, But, I mean, music is, is totally opinionated and there's no real first or last place. And, you know, for us, is we're not going to be the best. We're not, you know, the Beatles or Coldplay or whatever, but we have a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, we get to travel around the world and drink some whiskey with our friends and, and, and do it. So we just... We just want to be able to work hard and show people like how grateful that we are and and really enjoy playing music together and entertaining our fans and and they've supported us for so long we we owe it to them to you know to to be the best that we can be and, and work harder than the next guy so that's kind of like the the hidden element to yellow card we we always want to be on tour we're always trying to be the hard-working band that we can and sometimes it bites us in the ass when we get sick and cancel a show unfortunately right. but it, you know, such as life, you can't control those things. But you know, we're 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 out fighting pretty much every day that we can. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got some friends of mine that are in bands that are slowly. They're not going to hit Ocean Avenue levels. I don't think anytime soon or ever. But they're slowly hitting these next bigger levels. You know, getting the bigger uh, band contracts, and they're they're a little nervous about it. Um, when you look back on those earlier days, is there anything you wish you had done differently? Were you nervous at all? Like. Jump. When you look back on the ride, is there anything it's like, man, I, that you wish you had done better to prepare yourself? That's what I'm trying to say. No, I th- I think the things that happen in the music business, the drugs and alcohol and girls and boys, whatever you, whatever your vices are, they're gonna find you anyway. Like, there's no way to prepare for that. I mean, I wish my parents raised me better yeah. so I didn't drink as much. I don't know. Maybe that's the case, but I feel like for the most part, we were res- we were really responsible. And, you know, a lot of bands have a lot of different challenges. And, you know, in our case, we were so young and we were thrust into the limelight and we all dealt with it pretty well and uh, kind of burned ourselves out. And some of the guys, I didn't really do it, but some of the guys did drugs and, you know, they cleaned up themselves up. And it's just kind of the thing that happens. And if you don't do it, maybe, you know, you don't get those experiences or whatever. You don't get the... I mean, I don't know how it works. There's no rhyme or reason, but... My team did a great job, and, you know, I don't know, you know, bands get to, you know, Yellow Card level or, or Ocean Avenue level. Like, we're, we're never going to peak to that again. And if we do, then it's by the graces of someone far more smart and powerful than me, and I just, I like playing music. But there isn't a way to prepare for that. Just enjoy the ride every moment. You can't control it. You can't change it. So if you get the shot, just go and have fun and drink some whiskey while you're at it. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you guys did take some time off. You're refreshed. You're back at it again. Mm-hmm. Is this a job for you, or can you still have fun, or is it a little bit of both? No, it's both. I mean, it definitely is. A, I mean, I have a wife and a house, and I have a, a lifestyle that I need to to support. I have people that are depending on me, but you know, I mean, if you enjoy what your job is, you never work a day in your life. Right. And so it's like I am away from my family and loved ones, but it's a pretty cool trade-off when you know there's five or five thousand. People just telling you, "Hey, you brighten my day. My life is was pretty shitty, and I listen to Yellow Card song." So, so yeah, it's it's a job sometimes, and most of the time, it's just a blessing. Yeah, right on. Uh, so you're touring. This is the second leg of the Ocean Avenue acoustic yeah. tour. 
Um, it's been, what, 2003 since it really hit big, but it came out, what, 2012? So, uh, Ocean, uh, yeah. Ocean Avenue Acoustic came out, we, we put it out last year. Right. Uh, Ocean Avenue, the, the original, oh, came sorry. out in 2000. I keep forgetting that it's a new year. Sorry. So, no, yeah, so it's 2014. So, we... Um, we we finished the leg and and last fall actually everyone that I knew that was in a band was touring and the market was really saturated and you know we we felt bad we'd left some cities out and so we kind of put our heads together and we're like hey you know at the top of the year do you guys before because we're gonna do a record in, in a couple months do you guys want to go back out and and hit some of these cities that we missed and I mean for me it's like I have friends in a, in Pittsburgh we haven't played Pittsburgh in maybe six years. So we just, you know, we decided, hey, let's put three weeks together and go back and play some of these cities that have we've played shows in through the Ocean Avenue cycle, and we need to go back and play them. So here we are. We're out doing nice. it again, and I've had amazing shows. Like Vegas has traditionally over the last, you know, six or seven years been a DJ town and bottle service and yeah. all this and that, and we, we sold out the show, and it was one of the more wild things, so... Uh, I'm glad that we did. We're out here, and fans are having fun, and that's kind of what it's about. Yeah. Um, so you guys put out the new recording of this record. Um, how did it feel to re-record and strip down and take apart these songs that essentially made you fame? You know, have all this uh, reverence in your life. How did it feel to strip those down and take them back to the core essentials? Uh, I mean, it was it was fun, and and a lot of these songs we haven't played and we didn't play in a long time, so. Uh, the crazy thing about being a musician, when you get in the studio, you write a part and it's new and exciting, but it's not really well rehearsed. You're like, oh, that's cool. Okay, go. Yeah. Next, on to the next. Blah, 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 blah. So it was the first time in our career that we've recorded stuff that we had played before. So, and, and you know, listening to parts, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I, for, I remember I did that. That's really fun. Oh, yeah, you played that thing over there. Yeah, that's cool, too. So it was, uh, it was pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, you're a different musician, you know day-to-day life evolves music evolves so it was cool to be able to to go back and, and redo some of those things and we I mean we tried to to change up a, a you know a good portion of the record so it wasn't just regurgitated but uh, it was fun I mean Ocean Avenue I have a great relationship with that it's obviously I look back and I'm like this is a time in music that we may never see again and for a band like Yellow Card that's not really corporate and we came from high school and we did it all our own it was such a cool moment so I definitely every day we're out here celebrate that it's pretty cool does it make you feel 10 years younger to play these songs you wrote 10 years ago I know that my knees tell me otherwise (laughs) but in my heart I still feel like a juvenile delinquent so uh, yeah I mean I'm young at heart you know I when my friends bands are playing I'm in you know in the audience in the mosh pit singing and and uh, picking people up off the ground and so it's it's the same way with with our own band. It's like I'm a fan of the musicians that I share the stage with, and it's uh, it's, it's still pretty cool for me. Yeah. Um, I know you've been at this a while with the acoustic stuff, but I can imagine did the first shows playing it as this stripped down thing make you feel a little naked inside, a little little unsure of yourself? Not really. I mean, I think like we're doing it full band, and surprisingly, it still has some power to it. And uh, I mean, we spent two days on the set. In rehearsal, and so I, the f- it's actually the second day in uh, in Philly. I fr- I mixed up the words for a song or whatever, and I was like, oh man, that's fucking hilarious. But uh, everything else has been super smooth. I mean, we we tried really hard to make sure that 
out of the gates, we give everyone from A to Z the, the best yellow card experience. Cool, cool. Um, can we switch gears a little bit? I know you recently battled cancer in like 2011. Do you mind talking about it at all? Or is that something you're tired of? No, it's fine. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so like in December of 2011, you were diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. It's pretty damn scary. How did you even come to figure out that you had thyroid cancer? How does, how does one figure that out? Uh, we were coming back from Japan, and I was just, you know, those long flights, you sit there and your legs get stiff and your feet swell up or whatever. Yeah. And So I just kind of woke up, and I was stretching, and I was like rubbing my neck, and I was like, ah, oh, I feel a lump in my throat or whatever and went to the doctor and he's like yeah but you went to China and Japan he's like they have different bacteria you know just take some antibiotics and call me in a, you know a month or whatever and it just never went away and I went back and he I'm like look we got to figure this out because you know I'm I, I know I travel a lot but this is a priority and you know the doc was like okay well you know go see the specialist and you know we got off the road and it you know we ended up you know going down the all the blood tests and the biopsies and he's like yeah this is a serious thing and we got to do all the scans and figure out if it's spread or whatever and you know you immediately you just you know kind of die inside you're like oh worst case scenario what's going on and you know the c words is a scary thing for anybody and so i find out i kind of thyroid cancer is there's challenges but it's relatively easy to to kind of maintain and and uh, the problem is is that mine had spread and and so just managing that and figuring out, you know, if we could get it under control. And so had a couple of big surgeries and had some radiation treatment. And uh, it's just one of those things that over a certain amount of time, I have to make sure that I have enough clear blood and, and, and uh, body scans. So I'm still chasing the, the big remission. And, uh, you know, music's a great therapy. And I have a lot of fan, fans and family friends that, that support. So yeah. it, is, uh, it is pretty scary. And but I didn't want to you know, let the guys down. I wanted to make sure that we, I was able to work through it. And very fortunate. I have a great surgeon and he wanted to, you know, make sure that my vocal cords weren't damaged. It was very hard and difficult to sing, you know, with the scar tissue in my neck and after the surgery. But I think I'm mostly, it's, it's hard to get my uh, endurance back up. So I get fatigued pretty easy while singing, but uh, I, I feel pretty good. This is the It's been two years or so, so this is the most consistent I've felt in a long time. So it's good. I'm just trying to manage it. You can still do your backflips and whatnot on occasion? I have been backflipping. It's, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm an aging. Yeah. I'm, I'm a relic. So, <laughs> How are your uh, knees? Yeah, my, my body hurts a little bit. Just thinking about it makes but, me uh, hurt. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, the shows that I'm just like, man, I, I have to do it for this audience, like, they're absolutely killing it you know I, I try and muster up the courage but um you know I, I, there was a point where i was doing you know one or two a night and now it's i have to pick and choose the shows so it's, it's part it's just part of getting old and being fat and having, <laughs> having bad back bad knees so yeah um so so i know the thyroid is a fairly treatable cancer i mean it's still mm-hmm. scary as hell do you are you still worried about it about it coming back does well, yeah. that still haunt you well it's spread to my lymph node so I just always yeah. have to look over my shoulder and so um, yeah I mean it's yeah. it's not there, there are far scarier things out there and I'm obviously very lucky I have a great team of doctors so I try not to worry about it and uh, I just have to do all my tests and stuff when I have to do it and if I have to fight more stuff and, and that's the worst that happens yeah. then yeah I, yeah I think just like anyone else I would I would be able to, to fight it, and and again, I have a great support system. So, does your uh, 
I'm, I'm half-ass quoting Fight Club here, but does your breakfast still, after beating this stuff, does your breakfast taste sweeter every day still, or is it kind of kind of worn off? No, no. At, at, once I got my taste buds back, oh, yeah. breakfast go. definitely got sweeter. Yeah. Is life still like a little bit brighter now that you've kind of had this shadow hanging over you? Yeah. I mean, people ask that question. I'm, I'm, in, in maybe no, maybe I, it's I'm, different because you're. It's a day to day thing. For no, you. I mean it's like it's more like I'm always been annoyingly optimistic, <laughs> and I think at fault like my singer is is pretty cynical, and I'm pretty optimistic. So a lot of the. The, the good in our band is black and white, and like we always are able to kind of ham and egg together. But, uh, but I think just being optimistic before and still after, like I didn't lose it. I'm not a crusty old you know fart now. Nice. So, so yeah, I mean my breakfast is sweet. I like coffee. I figured out you know the things that I can and can't eat, and you know try and you know work out and play basketball and you know not kill myself, but not you know look like robert paulson so yeah nice yeah um so uh, i know you guys have a meet and greet here to do here in a couple minutes so let me just wrap this up real quick but um i know there are going to be people out there that might listen to this who are maybe entering their own cancer battles of their own life you're a very positive person you seem like the heart of the band itself you know the kind of glue that keeps it together what kind of advice do you have for people to uh stay positive in their own battles and trials of this sort of nature yeah i mean i just i left a lot of it up to people that were smarter than me you know the doctors you know and and i i was very lucky to find a doctor that or a couple of doctors that i that really trusted mm-hmm. that had my health in in mind and and once you know i had my my wife and i had a couple of really good friends that i was able to kind of lean on and once i had that dialed in i i didn't really sweat the small stuff you know surgery was a, a breeze i just kind of laid there for eight hours while my doctor cut me up and radiation was the worst part of it but it passed and uh after that I was just you know I wanted to be at a point and I always wondered you know will I ever feel I mean normal is not the word I use I use the word consistent like will will my life balance out to where I can manage it every day and it ended up doing it and so um you know I don't really openly talk about it but you know my faith was was there for me and my family was there for me and and I didn't sweat the small stuff. So if you can do the same thing or you can find a place where you're not thinking about every little thing that could go right or wrong and absolutely drive you crazy and create other problems, you know, like with your health. So if you can do that, I think that, you know, you get a, a good couple of people that you trust and then you just kind of, you know, fight the th- things that you can fight and enjoy the things that you that you want to enjoy. Nice. Well, that's a perfect place to end it. Um mentioned that you guys are going to work on a new record this year yeah what other things can you anything else you can talk about about the upcoming year yeah i mean we don't have a lot of of things going on after i mean right now we're we're getting to the ocean avenue tour and then we're going to make another yellow card record which is amazing to me that i can i get to do that and and uh so everything else i know that we'll be touring to get ready for the record i don't have a release date i don't know what we're doing but uh, we're we're a touring machine, so hopefully you know we'll we'll come through in the Colorado area or wherever yeah. your listeners are at. We'll, we'll, hopefully we'll catch all up over with the them. world. Yeah, all ten of them. No. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah. Just thanks to the fans. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. And are you excited about the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm. I'm whoring myself yeah. out for <laughs> a Super wait. Bowl ticket. So we're going to be on the East Coast, and we have Super Bowl Sunday off. So I'm trying to get to the game. Yeah. Cool. Play, play some uh, impromptu living room shows in exchange for tickets. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, something. It's just the first thing that pops I mean, into my head. 
that sounds easy. I, I'm, I would even go further to shed layers of clothing. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Cool. I'll see what I can do, my guy. But I don't know anybody, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right, Sean. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, buddies. Thanks to Sean for hanging out and chatting with us uh, backstage at the Aggie Theater. A uh, little side note, it took over two hours to get home from that show. It snowed like crazy while we were in there watching Yellow Card. And uh, luckily for me, uh, my friend Dia, her car is killer. We made it home safely. But, man, two, hour, two hours in, that, uh, in the snow was not fun. Uh, so to those of you who made it out that night to the show in Fort Collins, I ho- hopefully you made it home safely as well. All right. Uh, thanks again to Ray Rowland, uh, Yellow Card's PR guy and a uh, longtime friend for setting this up. Uh, Ray, he gave me my first shot at Chuck Reagan, interviewing him for the first episode of the show and helped to get it going. He got us to the front bottoms on last week's episode. So thanks you, Ray. Thanks again to Legal Pete's for sponsoring the show. Uh, check him out in Denver. Grab a burrito. Uh, don't forget to bring in your same-day concert ticket and get a uh, free draft beer or soda with your purchase of an adult entree. How sweet are those guys? Uh, sometimes you can find me there running sound on their weekend shows at the South Broadway location. So if you live in Denver, come hang out, come visit, come say hi. Again, visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Next week we have uh, Into It Over It's Evan Weiss. I want to say even for whatever, some reason. It's my stupid brain. And then we have uh, Mike Herrera from MXPX the following week. And then uh, we've got a pretty solid schedule lined up now that we live in Denver. So please, mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter, even though I don't really use Twitter at all. And uh, let's be buddies. Let's be buddies, buddies. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and end this episode with my favorite Yellow Card song. And, of course, it should be your favorite Yellow Card song as well. Uh, Ocean Avenue, and this is off the acoustic album of Ocean Avenue, and it's going to be stuck in my head now for the next week or two, so hopefully uh, hopefully it'll be stuck in your head too, and we can share this experience together, because we're good buddies like that. Alright guys, thanks again Sean, thanks again Dia, thanks again Ray, thanks again Legal Pete's. Uh, this is Ocean Avenue off the Ocean Avenue acoustic album. We'll see you in the funny pages. <laughs>